out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I am happy to introduce you to an amazing woman. Her name is Kesha Victor. Take note of her name because she is going to leave a legacy. My friend Christina, the eco-warrior from episode 55, introduced me to Kesha. She told me that Kesha was, at the age of 34, diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer and that she is a remarkable woman. She urged me to capture Kesha's story and I am very happy that I did. Kesha is not waiting to die. She's grabbing life by the balls and swinging it around. She's bitch slapping life and calling it Susie. Kesha is capturing her incredible journey from diagnosis to now in an inspirational set of YouTube videos, which you can watch on YouTube by just typing in Kesha Victor, that is K-E-S-H-I-A. I have provided the link in my write-up to the podcast. She also started an inspirational project called the Happiness Project Cape Town, which you can read more about on Facebook, just Facebook the Happiness Project Cape Town. Kesha is also an animal behaviorist and she continues to work with animals from bed if necessary. She runs a webpage called Cape Town Canines where she gives more details. You can google www.capetowncanines.co.za. She's also writing a book about her amazing journey. It is yet untitled Contributors to Kesha's Recovery Fund, which is a GoFunding campaign, will receive an electronic copy. If she does not manage to finish the book before she passes away, a friend will complete it on her behalf and see to its distribution. Her treatment costs are about double her monthly income. Please help if you can. This podcast is supported by the first layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There is also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the links from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without posting. Order from me directly or on any of my social media platforms. This is Kesha's story. Be ready to be amazed. Enjoy. Hey Kesha, how are you doing? Hi. I'm great, thank you. And you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for being on Meet Me in the Field. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. You are most welcome. I, I did some cyber stalking on you. <laughs> I, see, I see you studied in the UK, am I correct? Yes, I did at the University of Chester. Are you South African though? I am. Okay, and where did you grow up? I grew up in East London in the Eastern Cape. Oh my God, you're an Eastern girl. Yeah. <laughs> what school were you at? Sterling High School. Okay. And how yeah. did you end up in Cape Town? Well, when I came back from the UK, I went back to East London and then I waited two hours for a bus that never showed up. And I thought, I can't live here without driving. So I thought, where can you live without driving? Cape Town. Okay, wonderful. Move to Cape Town. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and you studied biology? 
I studied forensic biology with psychology. Oh, my God. That's an amazing yeah. field. How did you end up studying in the UK? Um, well, my stepdad is from the UK. Okay. So my mom and him wanted me to study there. I actually wanted to go to Rhodes University and study music and philosophy. <laughs> what and philosophy? Music. Music and philosophy. So you ended up studying forensic biology and psychology. That, yeah, because I said I had to study science. <laughs> that's a huge difference. So what type of music would you have studied? I played the saxophone. Are you serious? Yeah, ja- oh, jazz. Cool. I've got a, a nephew who plays mm-hmm. the saxophone as well. He's now in, he's going to, to a trick next year. So, oh, wow, that's so nice. So growing up in South Africa, did you grow up religiously? I did. Okay. And my in father what you... was a pastor. Oh, oh, my word. In and what my church? mother was a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> ah, in, in what church was that? The New Apostolic Church. Okay. Did religion resonate with you from an early age? It did because I was brought up that way. And then when I was a teenager, uh, well, when my parents got divorced when I was quite young, we weren't actually allowed to go back to the church because they kind of like, they took my dad's side in it and stuff like that. And he was a priest. So we couldn't go back to the church. So I was angry at the church for many years. And then I started going to youth groups. Okay. Like at the, with my friends at the Baptist church and the Anglican church. And we used to have so much fun. And you could just really feel the spirit and the good vibes and everything. And so I used to love it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And so after school, did you go to the UK immediately? Yes. Okay. And did you still engage with the church and its activities while you were there? Or were you a rebel rebel student? Yeah, I became a rebel because... You know, I was so constrained my whole life, and then suddenly there in the UK, they don't follow organized religion as much. You probably go to church for Good Friday and things like that, Christmas Eve, and then that's about it. <laughs> okay. So in the UK, even though you were still spiritually connected with God, you didn't practice it as <laughs> as religiously as you, as you did yet. <laughs> Yes. Okay. And I can understand as as a child that that one's kind of brought up with religion, so you nearly don't have a choice. But in your attitude, what kept you connected? What made you want to stay connected with religion, with God, as most people understand it? Um, So I disconnected for a long time, Freddie, because I just was having fun, you know. I wasn't thinking about it. And now with my diagnosis, it's something that I think about a lot. I can imagine, yeah. So at Varsity, it was kind of the student life hit and it was fun and games. And Mm. you're in the UK, a big beer drinking culture. Were you a beer drinker? Uh, Not just beer, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And the most interaction I had with the church at that time was when we used to come out of the nightclub, and in the morning, the, 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 the scripture union used to hand out coffee for free. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? 
<laughs> so, so you kind of keep, keep your watch. Okay, if I leave now, I can I can score free 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 coffee from the from the church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and were you part of the whole ecstasy culture and those type of things? No, no, no. Okay, uh, I was I was away in my young days. Is it? No, I, I could never see how people can can party through a night with alcohol. I just got far too lazy, so I needed. I needed the chemicals to see me through. <laughs> yeah, <away>. <laughs> and that, that got me the trouble that I ended up eventually. Uh-huh. So then you came back to South Africa and, and came yes. down to Cape Town. And what happened then? And then I just, yeah, I never really went back to the church. Or, and I got more interested in kind of like the energy that we have and the energy around us. Then cool. focusing on one like kind of organized religion. Okay. And did you ever work in the field that, that you studied? I never did because I couldn't find a job here. And oh, so oh. I studied to become an animal behaviorist. I'm an animal behaviorist as well. I saw that. And it was all <laughs> expected when, when I saw that. How how did that happen? Well, I, I've always loved animals. What I used to do in the UK, I used to schedule all my shows, like Animal Cops Houston, um, you know, all these kind of things. Yeah. SPCA, and I would schedule the shows for the whole day, and I would lie in bed the whole day and watch them. <laughs> Thank you. get up to the toilet, that's it. I used to have my snacks, everything. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Sparkle is sitting in the windowsill, and Tyson will probably later on mow at the door. To, to, to ask to come in. <laughs> so, so we've got two, two, two boys. And do you have animals at the moment? I do. I have two dogs. Okay. What I sort? A, co- a cocker spaniel. Oh. He's so cute. And I have a Labrador, black lab puppy. Oh, oh wow. Oh, both of my favorite dogs. The spaniels are bloody naughty, aren't they? Oh, they are energetic and they steal things and they're naughty. They've got a sense of humor. I love it. I, I scratching gardens. I lying down, doing nothing. And when and where did you meet your husband? Well, we met at work. We worked together about five years. Okay. And then we got together. And then about three months ago, I was given weeks to live. They said, you've got weeks, not months. And I thought, I'm not waiting anymore. I saw my proposed to him right then and there on the <laughs> same day. I had had the ring for a while, but it was just like the timing. I thought, YOLO. Yeah. So or actually, you only die once. You live every day. <laughs> that, that is very, very true. So tell me, how old are you now, if I may ask that question to a lady? That's fine. I'm 34. 34. Mm. And how old were you when you returned to South Africa? I was, I think I was probably, let me think, 24. 24. Because you've been back for about 10 years now. Yeah, and I came back during the World Cup. In 2010? Yes. Oh, cool. It was amazing. I was freshly in recovery then. That's when my sex addiction went completely ballistic. So many men, so little time. <laughs> and it was a, it was a lot of um, 
Mass foreigners, yeah, hey? Yeah, too many, too many. <laughs> and they know how to treat you right. <laughs> Maybe just for the listeners that I heard about you through our mutual friend, Christina. Yes. And Christina said that you've been diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. Am I correct? Stage yes. four. Okay. Yeah. What, what were the symptoms that, that presented itself that, that you thought there is something wrong? I, I, need to, I need to go and check this out. Mm. It's very interesting because I was having a lot of headaches. And, you know, if you Google headaches, it always says brain tumor. So never Google your symptoms. <laughs> this, time, I, this time, Dr. I Google was right. Don't trust Dr. Google. Go to a real doctor. <laughs> yes, please. So I was having... Prolonged, constant headaches, day in, day out, night just headaches. Not, not that bad. I mean, I didn't really even notice the difference from normal, to be honest, because I've always had headaches. Oh, serious? Okay. But then one day I've got severe pain on my left-hand side of my body. And oh, even okay. if my dog breathed on my arm, it felt like steam burning. Oh, my word. Yeah. And I went, and in, on my foot, it felt like I was walking on hot coals with the left foot. Oh, wow. So I went to the chiropractor because I've always had problems with headaches and my back and stuff like that. And normally the chiropractor sorts it out. And he said to me, no, there's something very wrong because you can't have trapped nerves in the arm and the leg at the same time. It's very unusual. Okay. So he didn't think it was trapped nerves. So okay. then, then they thought that I had rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. So I had all billions of tests, and then I went to a rheumatoid specialist. They diagnosed me with pyromyalgia on the Friday. With and on what? the Monday nights, I was in bed. I was doing a meditation. At the end of the meditation, I woke up with a severe pain in my head, and I couldn't feel my left-hand side. And I tried to stand up, and I just collapsed. Oh, my and word. And they said I had an aneurysm and a stroke because my whole left-hand side was paralyzed. But what they actually found out was that I have a tumor that's pressing on my brain stem. And because it's pressing on the one side of the brain stem, it caused me to become paralyzed. So I never actually had a stroke. I had a, a bleed within the tumor, which oh, caused goodness. the of the symptoms. So they actually never would have known. Yeah. So And my doctor was about to send me for MRI on the Monday, but, I mean, there's, there's basically nothing they can do to detect it faster because it doesn't have stage one, two, and three. It appears at stage four. Okay. Oh, wow. So, Kisha, what goes through your head when, when they tell you that you've got a brain tumor? A lot of blood. <laughs> Were you alone in the doctor's rooms at that stage? I was in ICU at that time. and No, not ICU, uh, emergency. Okay. And I overheard the one nurse saying it wasn't a, a proper aneurysm, it was a bleed in the tumour. And I thought, what tumour? And I asked her to show me, because I had a CAT scan, and she showed me the scan and there was this tumour sitting there. So that's how I found out by the by. Oh, my word. 
Yeah. Then the doctor came to speak to me to explain the next day, I think. And I actually had to comfort the doctor because the doctor was crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my word. Yeah. So what happened since then? So since then, I started treatment. I had 40 days of radiotherapy and 40 days of chemotherapy at the same time. It was very hectic. I can imagine. Yeah, I was just tired all the time. Lucky I didn't have nausea and stuff like that. But like some of my hair fell out and, yeah. But your hair now is natural. Um, I've dyed it quite light. (laughs) Yeah, but but, but the actual hair, I mean, it's long. It doesn't look as if it ever fell out. It looks like no, it just fell out in patches. So I was lucky with that. Okay. You said earlier that you were busy meditating when when the and I'm using stroke in inverted commas when the stroke happened. So yeah, were you a regular meditator? Was it something that part of your daily practice or how? Yes, I used to meditate every single day. Why? Yeah. I. I suffer from PTSD. Okay. And I have severe anxiety. Uh, towards the end of last year, I had severe clinical depression still, um, which I've suffered for for years. And I just found that it really helped to ground me. Awesome. Do you do? Do you use any meditation apps, or do you just sit quietly, or or, or how do you do it? I like the apps, to be honest. I used to try and do the whole mindfulness thing and the whole meditation thing with, you know, keeping my mind blank and all of that. And it was really hard. And then I found out later, you don't need to do that. You you don't have to, you know, you let the thoughts come and you let them pass. And I was being very harsh on myself with meditation that if I got a thought, I was like, oh, you can't meditate, right? Instead of being harsh on yourself by just trying to be have the quiet meditation, I really find that it helps to have the spoken led meditations rather. Yeah. Me as well. There's a lady called Tara Brock. I don't know whether you've run into Tara. At uh-uh. She she says it very nicely. When the thought comes, instead of fighting it, relax uh-huh. back to it. I love the term that she says. Just relax back. Just relax. Yeah. Back. Because what we do is we get tense, kind of, oh, fuck, I can't meditate. Yeah. Just just relax back into it. Um, let the thought come. I always say to people, just because the train is in the station doesn't mean you have to get onto it. That's true. <laughs> I like that. I'll steal that. <laughs> you, you, you can let the train go by. <laughs> or for my, for, my, for my more clients with the busy heads, I say, just because the circus is in town doesn't mean you have to buy a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> my head feels as if there's a constant bloody circus going on. And I yeah. compulsively, I compulsively just buy the ticket. You know, I don't have to buy the ticket. Yeah. Just there, I don't have to go there. So did you ever work as a animal behavioralist? Yes, I've always had like, since I was 14, I've worked like four jobs at a time. <laughs> Started off working on a farm, picking lettuce. <laughs> And then working on a pig farm. Why? Just because you'd like to be busy? Um, I was saving up at that time to go overseas, but it became okay. kind of a 
almost like a bad habit, you know? Yeah. I just worked myself to death. And, and um, at what job did you meet your husband? I was working as a research analyst at the same company where he was a, a business analyst. Ah. Yeah. Okay. How did you break the news to him? They told him. They told us same time. Yeah. He was there. He's been with me every step of the way. Oh, wow. And what has a cancer diagnosis done to your spirituality? Um, it's really insane because I feel so much more connected and grateful. And I feel people's energy. And I ride on it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like, it's so insane. I just feel so grateful. If I can wash my hands by myself, it's ridiculous, but I just feel so happy and peaceful. Every small little deed, every small little thing suddenly has meaning. Yes. Which probably would have gone completely past you just as a given, as absolutely yeah. natural and normal, suddenly has yeah. this very, very significant meaning for you. It does. So, for example, having a cup of tea. Someone made me a cup of tea and there wasn't enough milk or there wasn't enough sugar. I would complain before saying thank you. And the tea just tasted like tea. And when I tried to have like a mindful cup of tea, oh, that was so hard. You know, you try to practice mindfulness. And then all of a sudden I'm diagnosed with a brain tumor and a cup of tea tastes like a Michelin star chef made it. <laughs> Just because you can't do it yourself, and now you're really relying on others. So that's the, okay. This I'm not I'm not being facetious, but suddenly a McDonald's burger becomes a Michelin star meal. Yes, <laughs> especially when you're used to hospital food. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because. You're not bedridden, am I correct? I'm not bedridden per se, but I kind of am in a way because I can't walk by myself. I can't, I'm not allowed to do anything by myself because I just fall. Okay. And what is your prognosis? When will you know whether you're winning the battle? So there's no cure for this brain cancer. So after my initial treatment, I had an MRI to see how the treatment went and the disease had advanced to where the tumor was four times the size. Oh, my God. And the doctor showed me the image. I just went, oh, my fuck, inside the hospital, inside the doctor's office because I just couldn't believe it after all that treatment. Yeah. It was like four times the size. Oh, my God. And it was... It was already the size of a golf ball, Freddie. That's absolutely terrific. So now it's the size of a of a um, cricket ball. Yeah. Oh my word. That is absolutely horrific. So, mm. so now you you're lying in bed. Yeah. What do you do to keep yourself busy? My head would have taken me to the darkest of dark places, but you seem to be going to the opposite. 
So in the beginning, it was easier to be positive, but over time, I've lost movement in my left-hand side. Now this is the fifth time I'm learning to re-walk again. No. Or I'm relearning to walk, shall I say. Yeah. And it gets very discouraging. I can imagine. I can yeah. imagine. Why do I think that you're involved? I'm sure I saw you being involved in something else, not just the animals. This is another thing that you're involved yeah. in as well? Yes. So in my previous job, I was doing business coaching and training and training trainers, coming up with content, making e-learning courses, everything. So it's something I've tried to continue just to keep me going. I would go to management and see what training they want for the team and then do a full assessment to see if the training they want will actually do what they want. So, for example, they want time management for people to work faster, but time management is not about working faster. It's about work-life balance. (laughs) So it wouldn't give them what they wanted. (laughs) So that's why I would do a full assessment, yeah. Cool. And since I've been home, I've been running a few workshops for women. So helping women to um, rediscover themselves because a lot of people have been through big traumas in their life and have never dealt with it. Yes. That leads to drug, alcohol addiction because you're trying to self-medicate and make yourself feel better. So I try to teach people coping mechanisms instead of living on survival mechanisms. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And do you work for yourself or are you still associated with the company? I still technically work for the company, but I haven't been back since March. Okay. And the the, the workshops that you do now, do you do that through them or on your own steam? So the workshops that I do now, I just do by myself. Okay. And how do people find you if they're interested in doing one of your workshops? So I created a, a little, not a company, a project. I created yeah. a project called the Happiness Project, and my okay. aim is to spread the happiness and the peacefulness and the acceptance and moving on and forgiveness. I want to teach people gratitude and how to feel that every day. So that's my aim. I just really like to help people. Cool. And where do we find the Happiness Project if people want to connect? You can look me up on Facebook, The Happiness Project, CT or Cape Town. Yeah. Awesome. So I'm going to put the link to the write-up that I do before the podcast recording. So people can click on it and and, and find it. And I'm still doing my animal behavior. Awesome. Um, Now doing it via videos and people can come to see me and I call them. So I have several new ways of working with behavior clients Fantastic. and I charge like a monthly rate so that you've got support through the month not just for one session cool so you are even though you are not able to, to, to be out there you are still actively involved in life and helping and creating a better a better world for everybody yeah you have to that's bloody awesome. I think so as well. 
that's mm-hmm. great. And, so, so what and is your sense of spirit at the moment? Um, you know, it was very low, Freddie, because I thought, how, how can a loving God? Sorry. No. <laughs> like, why would this happen to me? Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. I think it would be very, very strange to not ask that question. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what I realized is that um, throughout my life, I've given a lot of energy to other people to helping them. And I feel like that energy will stay with them and Absolutely. give them, yeah, something they can think back to. You know, remember when Keisha said this or whatever, and I feel that my energy will stay with people and I will be able to watch over them. Oh, wonderful. So your, your sense of spirit is a sense of giving and leaving so, a, a legacy behind. Yes. I think it's so important to leave a legacy and it's so hard when, you know, I've had the hospice out here and they ask you, you know, what legacy are you leaving? That is the hardest question to answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for for, for me, it sounds as if for you, looking back now, it's actually quite easy. Yeah. I'm leaving leaving a legacy of happiness. Yeah. Doing that. Mindfulness, which is such a difficult thing to obtain, if you can yes. help people learn how to be more mindful, oh my word, that will be that changes their lives significantly every single day. Yes, absolutely wonderful. And I've got a YouTube channel where I've posted videos about, like when I was first diagnosed and stuff, and just like my lessons I learned. Okay. And so that's quite. I mean, I watch it to motivate myself. <laughs> Oh, cool. And is that uh, is that YouTube channel Kesha Victor? No, I'll have to send you a link. I don't have a like a name on it at the moment. Yeah. Please, because I think that will be highly motivational and inspirational for people to see. I think yeah. it's absolutely amazing what you're doing. I always think about. Thank you. You know these these things where have you heard that story about the the aeroplane that fell and in the snow or whatever, and, and eventually the survivors resorted to starting to eat each other. Yes. And I always think of myself as, I will probably be the person that's eaten first. Because I always think that I will probably be, I will probably be the one who, who rolls over and dies. If, even, bef- even before oh. death is there, I, I will just give up and I will be the negative energy and the drainer and, and, and people will just say, you know, just eat eat the bastard and get him away from you <laughs> that you can actually and it sounds as if this is the last thing that 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 you're doing um, yeah well, um, keep, a lot of the, positive energy out there and that's wonderful yeah and a lot of the doctors and nurses are so surprised that i don't just lay down and give up because yeah. they say that's what most people would do because there's no prognosis of this where i come out alive yeah no that, yeah. that is amazing to keep on keeping on well, just to not would, would be so much easier. Yeah, yeah. But you find well, you get bored just lying in bed, eh? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's amazing if we, we all just want to lie in bed and once, we, once we're given the opportunity, it's the last flippant thing we want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one thing I'm taking away from this conversation is, number one, when, after, when we lost the connection earlier, I, I, I took a sip oh. of coffee. 
and it was a mindful sip of coffee. And I thought, oh, well, I'm already taking something from this conversation. He's, oh, that's wonderful. He's so much more aware that I'm uh-huh. drinking coffee, and this is this is what I'm tasting. Yeah, and we have to be so appreciative. I mean, there's people that they're on the streets. They don't have coffee, the convenience of just getting a coffee, Absolutely. you know. I have a very special place in my heart for homeless people. Can I tell you a little story? Please, go for it. So one night I was out. Grab it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Freddie. So one night I was out on Long Street and I'd spend all my money on booze shots, (laughs) as you do. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and then there was this little burble stand and I had like 15 rand left. I had nothing else, so I and I was starving. You know how you get like munchies after night out? Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I need this burbles roll in my life. So I burbles <laughs> roll, <laughs> and then I was walking down the street, and the little boy, he couldn't have been older than eight years. He came to me and he asked me for money for food because I was still near the burbles stand. And, I mean, I had to honestly tell him that I don't have any more money. I'm so sorry, you know. And I just thought he's begging in the beginning because that's what happens on Long Street. And I was worried about getting robbed because often the begging becomes aggressive. And my ex-boyfriend had a knife to his chest once on Long Street Ah. by a beggar. And I shouted at the guy to leave us alone. I didn't know he had a knife. (laughs) And he just left. Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. So, anyway, this little boy, and he had tears in his eyes. You could see he was so hungry. And I didn't know what to do because I was really hungry too. I didn't (laughs) want to give him my purpose roll. And and then he said to me, ma'am, I will never amount to anything in my life. This is my life, living on the street. I will never be able to get a job. I will never be able to do anything. And he was crying, and I started crying. I'm like a sympathy crier. <laughs> so we both all snot and tron in the middle of Long Street, and then I gave him my burbles roll because I thought, and I told him, you will, you will, don't worry. You know, I was trying to comfort him. Yeah. Um, and then I gave him my burbles roll, and he turned around and he broke it in half, and he said, ma'am, I can't eat your all your food because you're also hungry. Oh, my word. And he gave me half, and he has nothing. And it so touched my heart, Freddie. Yeah. That no no matter what people say, I can't have a bad place in my heart for homeless people. I mean, if you were in that situation, living on the street, would you not abuse alcohol or drugs or whatever? Absolutely. And at the end of the day... I would have stuffed that that bird was round down by a pole hole so quick so quickly would have <laughs> wouldn't have recognized it. But Kesha, that's actually interesting because I've seen quite a few YouTube videos of of, of people who who give to beggars or homeless yeah. people and then video the response and how often they actually go out and share the little bit that they were given. Yeah. Other people, it is so inspirational. It is such a beautiful um, um, thought that us we have just want to hold on, exactly. while the people are so willing to just just give and share. There is such a lesson lesson in that. Absolutely, there, there really is. Yeah. 
So I'm going to end here, but I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time, for your energy. I can imagine it's not easy to have a frank conversation like this with, with a complete stranger. So I am so grateful for that. I'm going well, to you put made it very easy. <laughs> thank you very much. You're I'm easy to talk to. Awesome. Good. Glad to hear that. I'm going to put a link to the Happiness Project, and you're going to send me a uh -huh. link to your to your YouTube channel. Okay. Will you just remind me on WhatsApp? Because I shall send my bad. Mine as well. So I'm going to send it right now. Uh, okay, okay, thank you so so you. very much. And um, I'll be thinking of you, and I'm sure you're going to get some messages from the listeners and say we we are with you, thinking of you. And hopefully we get some animal people coming to you and say my 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 cat needs help, my dog or my rabbit or my whatever. And yeah. um, hopefully we, we can help some women through the happiness project. That will be wonderful as well. And yeah. hopefully spread the inspiration through your channel. So Thank keep you. up. Only plan can do my second. Look after yourself. <laughs> Bye, Rocky. Nice. Good chatting with you. Look after yourself. Bye. Bye, Thank you. Uh Freddie? Yeah. I'm still here. Can I leave you with some final thoughts? You might want to put it in or not. Yes, please. Please, please, please. I'll appreciate that. Okay. So lessons I've learned from being diagnosed with a brain tumor. Do that not take perfect anything. <laughs> Do well, not take anything for granted. Good. Anything. So people make you tea, people make you dinner. Take accept it and be happy about it that they're doing things for you. Ask for help in your life if you need. A lot of us are afraid to ask for help, but we have friends and family around us that if they knew we needed help, they would help us. But we're so proud to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell people every day what you appreciate about them. Every little thing. You know, I really appreciate how nicely you talk to me or I really appreciate that you went out of your way to bring me dinner tonight. Awesome. Just like that as well. You want to do it before you're gone. And when I was diagnosed, I'm telling you, 270 people from my office came and told me how I changed their lives. And I always thought that I was good for nothing, that people were better off if I was dead. You know, those depressive thoughts. Yeah. And it took having a brain tumor for people to tell me that they appreciated me. And yeah. it's not like I'm ungrateful for that because that made me realize that I do have a legacy to leave behind. But you should Absolutely. tell people sooner. I like that. The other thing is to feel your feelings fully. So we get upset and then we get scared that if we feel everything, what we've been through, that we're just going to collapse and die. But yeah. you can get through it. I know it sounds cliche, this too will pass, but it does pass. Absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Anything else? And if, yeah, we are so quick to go to the negative and get in the negative spiral. It's because our brains are wired that way. Oh. It's survival. So anxiety helps us with fight and flight to get away from a situation. And depression, it is made to keep you in bed and keep you moving and eating as little as possible to preserve yourself for longer. Yeah. So... It is innate survival instinct. There's nothing wrong with that, but you need to recognize it and start to help yourself come out of the spiral. And another thing you can do is feel the good feelings because we always feel the bad feelings. 
but feel the good feelings when you're with a group of friends and you have that lack of vibe hold on to it and make it bigger feel it in your whole body yeah yeah well, so and people are afraid of feeling happy because they they they're afraid that if by acknowledging the happiness they're going to lose it and that's bullshit feel it yes. be in that moment yeah i've always felt like that like every time i'm happy something bad happens so don't be happy yeah but it's it's bullshit feel the happiness you don't need to feel sad very true yeah and then um talk to yourself like you would talk to others um i used to call myself oh. a stupid little bitch stupid little shit you don't know anything da 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 would you say that to your best friend would you say to your best friend freddy no i love that saying that says if you talk to 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 your friends the way you speak to yourself will you have any friends left oh that is such a good saying it's so true that is so absolutely true i wouldn't be friends with me if if i spoke to me the way i spoke or i spoke to my friends why i spoke to me definitely not exactly so you need no. to speak to yourself like you're your own best friend absolutely and then lastly you don't need to sit in pain even emotional pain i learned that from the hospital because they always kept my painkillers topped up <laughs> uh, but emotionally you don't sit in pain is what i mean yeah if you're in emotional pain reach out you don't need to sit in it and right. live life to the fullest that you can so i have a lot of limitations but i'm doing as much as i can um to live life to the fullest because you never know when's your last day very very true all very true words and i love i love all of that i i'm going to maybe put them as points in the yeah. in the, the beginning so people can just um um copy and paste and print them out and put them somewhere because they're very true words awesome, awesome. i've got thank it. you very much from the bottom of my heart namaste my soul acknowledges yours look after yourself well thank you namaste Bye. <laughs> Thanks very I am incredibly grateful for Keisha's coverage to share her journey with us. I'm already a lot more mindful than I have ever been as a result of this podcast. I want to wish Keisha all of the best on this most horrific road she is expected to travel. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at @RensburgFreddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I E at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.